This podcast allows others to tell their spiritual stories and journeys and gives them the safe space to do so. Some things said within may not always align with the views of our podcast. Here at Coven of Rejects, we believe in allowing anyone to tell their story regardless of our own personal beliefs. While we do encourage you to follow our guests on social media to better understand their journey, we do ask that you use your own intuition to discern what energy may or may not align with you. What's up, weirdos, rejects, and free spirits? Welcome back to another episode of Coven of Rejects. I'm your host, Gemini. As always, sit back, clutch your crystals, and let's get into some crazy spiritual shit. I just have one announcement today, and I guess it's kind of also a favor. We lost one of our Coven of Rejects family members yesterday morning. Rest in peace, Jack Haynes. You guys may remember him from the But Also Keep Your Mouth Shut episode. He was the bishop who came on our podcast. He's leaving behind his wife and daughter. You may remember his wife, Jessica, from the Safe Haven episode where we spoke on domestic violence. Her and her husband are the ones who had the Resource Center for Domestic Violence Victims. Ooh, sorry, I'm trying to get through this one. Um, I am trying to make it out to Tennessee to be there to support Jessica and to attend Jack's funeral. And what I'm doing right now is I'm doing donation readings. So I'm asking that if you are able to afford $5, even $10, $20, somebody blessed me yesterday with $100 towards this trip. If you could please cash app or Venmo to Gemini Goddess. 420 and in the memo put either your email address or your phone number if you would like a reading texted to you however you would prefer to have your reading delivered please let me know I'm going to give readings to every single person who sends in a donation these donations are going to go to traveling to Tennessee for Jack's funeral and then also contributing to Jack's funeral costs. If you guys have any questions at all, you can message me on Instagram. That's Gemini underscore goddess 420. Seriously, everything helps right now. Everything helps me get down to go support Jess to celebrate Jack and give the love and support that he gave to all of us and then to also contribute to his funeral costs. I really appreciate absolutely any help that you guys are able to give. And I will not be limiting your readings based on how much you donate. Everybody will get a full reading. And I just appreciate so much the energy exchange and the love and support in those donations. And thank you to everybody who has seen my posts and who has already donated. If I didn't already tell you, you can send those donations to Cash App and Venmo at Gemini Goddess 420 This week's guest is Alyssa. She is the Gold Country Witch, and she was actually one of the first people who was a recommended guest. Um, Her recommendation came in from my stepdaughter and my stepdaughter's mom, so shout out Irie and Amanda for getting us in touch. We had such a good conversation. I learned so much, and I know that we are going to have to get together because she is right near my hometown in California, so I'm definitely going to have to go and visit and check out all of her items and order a few things. So you guys sit back and come hang out with me and Alyssa as I learn about her upbringing and how she practices her spirituality now. 
Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Uh, you were actually somebody who, when I very first was starting the podcast, my stepdaughter and her mom actually suggested that I reach out to you because I believe they've gone into your store and they said that um, we looked like each other. Oh. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll add. And then I just fell in love with your page. Oh, thank you. That's so funny. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. Where are you located? I am in Sacramento, California, in uh, the Pocket neighborhood. And you have a shop, right? I So I have a booth inside um, this marketplace called Bliss, Midtown Bliss Home and Gift. Um, I previously used to work for a shop called Miel Apothecary, but I was there a lot. Um, and I had a lot of my products in there, and that has since um, closed, may reopen at some point, not sure yet. Um, but my booth is still, still running and it's awesome. I love it. What do you do at your booth? Do you sell your product? So I sell my handmade witchy products. So there's candles and oils, um, adding some incenses and I have herb bundles and I also sell vintage, magical wares and goods. So things for your altar and for your rituals and some just witchy decor and witchy clothing. And everybody can go on to your, I feel like you do such a good job at putting things on your page too, and showing what you're doing that when people go and follow you, they'll be able to see all the things you're doing. Right. Oh, I, yes. I appreciate you saying that. Cause I'm always like, is this enough? <laughs> but yeah, so there's my, my Instagram page is the gold country, Witch, and the booth is Delta mystic. Perfect. I know that we've got people in Cali, so um, I will uh, hopefully people definitely go over there. And all that I know about you is what I've seen on social media with your shop. And I would love to learn kind of about your story. So I want to start at the beginning. Did you grow up with any spirituality in your family? I grew up in a Christian household, um, church every Sunday kind of deal. My mom, I would say now, was probably was much more the religious person. Um, I did get lucky because even though there was, there was a lot of religion, my mother was also very intuitive. So when that gift started coming through, it wasn't weird or scary to her. Um, and she knew how to kind of help me understand it, encourage me to use it. Um, and we even used to practice like, sending each other textures or colors, which is a really fun kind of intuitive game to play with kids where it'd be like pink bubbles or, and you're just describing what it is you feel they're sending. So oh. that was, that was really cool and fun. Um, but I also went to Christian schools. So that was very, it was very intense and can be really repressive and, um, I was always really outspoken and had a lot of questions and I always had this, had a really strong curiosity for, for things that were strange and like fairy tales and the paranormal. And like, you know, these are, these are things that kind of drew so many of us in and mm -hmm. drew us back to the cauldron um, that there, it was always it was always just so much stronger than like oh I like this it was like that like it was this compelling magnet that I couldn't let go of 
over time. And then when I graduated high school, I ended up going to a junior college where I took a anthropology class on magic, witchcraft, and religion. And at that time I was pretty agnostic. Um, and I would, I would say I still am on like a, a rational philosophical level. Like we can neither prove nor disprove the existence and experiences that we have, which is part of the beauty of it. Um, but I really aligned with the values of modern witchcraft of being very earth centered and ecological and that my gifts were celebrated rather than seen as like freakish or sinful. And I could become more of who I was. And through that, I've found so, so many different things that I think could be considered related to witchcraft, but maybe it would be more under the animist umbrella. Yeah. When did, when do you feel like you were first starting to like sense your intuition and gifts with that? I remember very young having like really strong knowings about people and having dreams of foresight um, what we might call like deja vu, but mm -hmm. it would be like from a dream. So very lucid dreaming. I, I think my earliest memories with that would be like being four or five. And then when I look back as an adult at myself as a child, I see my interest and love for nature, my, the, the connection that one feels in that way that sort of begins the animus journey I remember really distinctly like around five or six of that that feeling of being like yes like when when you would hear it in stories like everything is connected and I'd be like yeah and then you know it gets layered over by Christianity being like no it's not <laughs> or it's all the Holy Spirit yeah I have a lot of a lot of the guests that I've had we all share this common thread of having gone through like extreme uh, religion, organized religion and like, mm -hmm. you know, being put down for the gifts that you have and things like that. And you do get made to feel like you're alone and like you're weird in that. And um, it causes religious trauma for people. And, oh, yeah. you know, we were talking recently about um, with another guest about how high the suicide rate is for people who have religious traumas because, you know, they grow up in, you're fortunate where you had a mom who was like, Ooh, let's play like intuition games. And right. I think that's so beautiful because so many people never know that there's something different outside of organized religion. And they just think that they're crazy and they don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree with that. And I think that's why you see a lot of folks go to the other end of the extreme to atheism not that i have anything against it rationally speaking but just also like it's the resistance against the organization and the concept of god that christianity and abrahamic religions have created versus any literally any other way you could possibly imagine deity and that's a really big hang up for people and i'm I kind of, I feel like my calling is to help people remember the sacred through nature, because that's something that we can all agree on, regardless of whether you think there's some deity or great spirit out there. We can all agree this is important, this is sacred, and this connects us. 
Absolutely. And speaking of like connection and earth, I saw, um, I was looking, I like to see how people like identify themselves on their pages. Mm -hmm. And I saw that you put priestess of the elements and I would love to know what that means for you. So it's really funny because normally I don't, um, I'm not drawn to titles like that. Yeah. And and that comes from like, I, I, I'm not really fond of hierarchies or, you know, and the same thing that's like religious trauma where people being in charge is kind of weird, yes. but having sort of reimagining what it means to be a priestess is more of, as like um, one who is close to, or who is a keeper of, who, who keeps that relationship open for others to to come through when they need it. And that title came down to me in a really unexpected moment. I was, I think it was a summer solstice ritual. It was during, it was like right in the beginning of the pandemics after that, that like first six months um, that was being facilitated by Starhawk, who is one of my favorite elders whose work really stands the, the test of time to me. Um, and there was a moment where we were just invited to receive any messages. And in my mind's eye, I was in this very familiar place in my inner, my inner territory, my inner um, sanctuary or land, whatever you might want to call it. And it just came to me that this was, this was what I was receiving, that you are the priestess of the elements. And that was first I was like I can't say that that's a that's a really that's a very confident possibly cocky thing to say and I've had people you know mostly trolls who are like in comment sections like oh you call yourself this it's so stupid and I I just wish people could kind of reimagine and understand that it's not me being like you have to come to me or like I'm the one who's in charge of this it's it's um a very committed relationship to that concept of earth, air, fire, and water, and, and it being that which gives us life and which is most sacred, because without it, we are literally nothing. No, I think that's absolutely beautiful. I always uh, call the elements when I open up a circle and do readings for people. Mm -hmm. I think that that is so beautiful. And the way that you describe it and the respect that you have with that relationship and I am so big on, first of all, um, you talking about like not specifically labeling yourself at the beginning of that explanation. I resonate with that as well. Um, I don't either. And I find other people's labelings of themselves fascinating um, because I'm like, oh, you decided to put yourself in a box, but why? Mm -hmm. What's in your box? What's going mm -hmm. on? Um, and I also don't think that it's anybody business to ever make a comment about what the fuck you do <laughs> right <laughs> well and it's sort of like the you know in a weird way this is my profession so there's there it's like calling myself an md or a lawyer like there comes a point where you've reached a certain level of experience so to speak and these are just our our ways of acknowledging that and you know and again, I totally get that people have their own religious trauma wrapped up around what those titles mean. And that, that's their story to work through. 
that's a very mature way of looking at it. I'm like, fuck them all. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, under the cover, I'm like, fuck you. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier to just be like, oh, whatever, brah, and just walk away. Yeah, for sure. Um, I saw that you offer. I did so. I did. Listen, when I tell you that I have been in love with your page ever since I found it, I have. I've gone to the link. I've gone everywhere. I've gone through your page. So, I noticed that you do spell work for people and root work. Yeah. And one, I would love to know what root work is. And two, what kind of spell work do you do for people? So I'll, I'll start with the, the root work question. And this one can be a little bit tricky because it's come to be more exclusively associated with certain traditions, despite previously having a more broad meaning. Um, root work really refers to certain branches of magic most commonly found in um, Southeastern America. It also was used by by people recording or writing down their own stuff um, for indigenous practices, Mexican practices, other folk practices like powwow. Um, and that powwow includes like a bunch of different traditions. And these were all born out of cultures coming together in poverty and using what you have, what you have on hand. So it's very earth-based in its own way without being specifically Wiccan. Um, and even though I'm trained in Wicca, I'm not, I don't call myself a Wiccan. I'm because that's its own, it's its own religion mm -hmm. and I fully respect it, but it's its own thing. And root work much more closely connects to my ancestry as a Mexican, as an indigenous person, as someone who's mixed race um, and who has ancestors in the South who, as far as what we can tell from various writings, seem to practice some form of their own root work. Um, so that's where I draw that word from. And certainly open to like other different words and different meanings. I mean, magic is, is such a great overarching term for so many different traditions. Um, the kind of spellcraft that I offer for folks is usually in the form of uh, candle service, which is really common among various root work traditions like brujeria and curanderismo, um, hoodoo, voodoo. Those traditions, you'll find a lot of candle service offerings, wherein a candle is dressed and blessed with your specific need and intention. Sometimes that fits under a spell type umbrella like bewitching or crown of success. Sometimes it's something a little bit more custom. I also offer uh, cleansings for people who are in the area and they want to have an in-person limpia. Um, I, and I offer some other like specific niche spell spells like um, cutting and clearing and I often also talk people through how to do certain parts of that for themselves. Cause I'm a really firm believer in, um, I get that some people can't do everything or they may not feel confident enough, but like cleanses are a really big thing for me. And I think that's something everybody can do, whether you have a shower or a bath or a bucket of water. And that's like cl cleansings. Like if you have nothing else, do a cleanse. And that's, 
it's really important to me that people feel connected to the work that they're calling in. So I usually try to build in a little piece of here's what you can do to feel a part of it and to aid the, the process. So it's like, so do you do that spell work with them or do you do it personally on the side? I do it personally on my altar. Um, it's, it's definitely most of the people who request it are people who either feel like um, they're not experienced enough or they don't live in a, in a, maybe a household where it's safe to be publicly doing their own work. Um, or some folks who are just genuinely very busy people. And while they believe they, they also feel that other people are maybe more qualified or have the right set of skills. And I'm okay with that. I think one of the things that we've gotten really bent out of shape about is like, oh, you should always do your own spell work. And sometimes it's not possible. There's even been times for me as a professional witch where I've called up friends and been like, I don't have I don't have the energy to do this because I'm so deep inside of it. And that's that's often a place of like being really depressed or being really just weighed down by the issue. Mm-hmm. You need other people. We are we're an animal who is supposed to be in community and it's perfectly okay for you to ask somebody else for help and to offer a shared re- a reciprocal compensation whatever that agreement is between the two of you. I think that it is a really beautiful thing to have people like you who do spell work for people and who offer. And not only this is how you know that someone knows what they're doing and has good intentions with it is the tone and the energy that comes off when you speak about what you do. Like you sound like you're genuinely happy to describe what you're able to do for people and even though people say crap about it, there are more people who genuinely would need your help than there are naysayers. Mm-hmm. And those people who talk shit, they only do it until they need something. That's and then so <laughs> all of a sudden, and it's like, you know, and those are the people that do that in normal life where they write people right. off and treat everybody bad. And then all of a sudden they're like, Hey, can I have 10 bucks? Well, I'm, This may come across a little harsh and like a little bit lumping together, but I often find those are also the people who don't have strong relationships with their spirits because they, they come with sort of this spirit of high demand and only calling when they have a problem. Um, And I don't want to say that as a blanket. I mean, you know, everybody has their, their learning curve and their, their growing pains, but if you're only coming to your community when you have a problem, if you're only coming to your gods or your spirits or your ancestors when you have a problem and you don't have an ongoing reciprocal relationship with them, things are just going to keep falling through at some point because not everyone wants to, you know, no, no one likes the friend who calls when there's only, you know, only when there's a problem or when they're moving. Yeah. In your truck. <laughs> I feel like your spirit team is going to be real silent for a real long time until you work on that, that Mm. personal discovery. They're not going to be putting blessings in your path when you complain about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to help the person who never says thank you? Nobody. It's just basically. (laughs) Right. Um, And then I also saw, uh, again, going back to descriptions, I saw you write down in Digiwitch. 
Yes. And that made me so interested. And you just referenced a minute ago that you, that you pull your culture into your craft. And I would, can you give me more details on that? I would love to know what kinds of things. And of course there are things that are personal to you, but Mm -hmm. what kinds of things do you do um, that you bring your like culture into? Definitely the limpias, which is, it's limpia means to cleanse in Spanish. Um, And that involves like a traditional limpia involves both indigenous and some Catholic magic. Although you can, if you're familiar enough with like the history of it anthropologically and like personally, you can kind of go back to the root. So like using holy water would have been the same as using like, you know, water from a sacred site. Um, that's certainly a place where that comes out really strong. Um, and Indigowitch is, it's so funny because years ago I started using that hashtag when it wasn't really a thing and now it's like a big thing. And I love that because I found other folks who identify that way and some within my own nations, which is like, that's really special to be like, you're like, we're, we're both sort of walking this parallel path and we get to learn with each other. Um, and that's, it's so special. And um, in the age of like, the internet can be so garbage in so many ways, but then in other ways, it's this really powerful network tool to find other people. Whereas before, as a mixed race person, it could be so fucking frustrating to not feel to, like, cause everybody's mix is different. And so even when you engage with other mixed race people, we understand each other's experiences, but sometimes it's hard to meet each other where we're at because my friends who are dealing with things as Palestinians are going to have slightly different things who are my friends who are black experiencing their own conundrums of being mixed race. So when you find somebody who's also Northern Cheyenne or Yummy, Yoemi also practicing witchcraft, it's like, yeah, please, thank God. I have seen a lot of, I feel like um, there's a lot more talk now about things that are like, uh, I don't like calling them closed practice. I like calling mm-hmm. them like sacred practice or they, they root from um, Native Americans or Mexicans mm-hmm. and they, and they go back on their culture. Are there certain things that you feel like this is a part of like my culture, my ancestry, and it shouldn't just be used that maybe people like me are just not educated on. And we just don't know that there there's definitely things that it's, it's kind of like, yeah, you could, you can replace the oil in your own car, but are you going to do it as well as somebody who's done it a thousand times? And that's like, I don't know if that's a great comparison, but it's, it's a, inculturated thing where like you have grown up steeped in that and most people who are from initiatory traditions who are of a closed closed quote closed culture will agree that someone who is willing to steep themselves deeply and richly into the entire experience almost as if they were a convert that's something that's agreeable because you're you're going in with a profound and unbelievable respect for what it is you're about to learn that it's 
and you recognize this isn't something I'm from. And so you're deferring to people who have more experience and who are going to be able to explain, like even certain stories and, and parables that we share are the things that tell us what the magic is about. But if you're not in the culture, you don't always understand it. And that's for me, even as someone who grew up relatively involved in the indigenous community, there's a lot of things I I'm not as familiar with because my parents weren't the ones who talked about that stuff. My grandma was. And so someone else is going to have more knowledge than me and more experience. And so it's my job to defer to them. Um, deference is a really, that's a really big thing for me when you're, when you're dealing with a culture that is expressed, that something is limited. Um, and like a really specific example would be sage, which is discussed quite a bit. And the big thing there that I've heard elders say, there's, there's, there's a few things. And one is that sage invokes specific spirits that you may not be prepared to handle or know how to, how to commune with, um, or even know who they are. And that's, that can be really intense. <laughs> um, and the other part is just that sage is being so over harvested by commercial companies who go in and instead of trimming the plants, they just rip them up by the roots that it's depleting the natural population. And then on the other side of that is indigenous communities who go out to harvest from these fields of sage that they've been cultivating for literally thousands of years being ripped to shreds and then not being able to participate in their own ceremonies and magic because of that, which that's really heartbreaking because it's not like we have a very broken history, even though we've survived, you know, so much that being even able, like it's been illegal for us to do those things for so long mm -hmm. and then now being able to do it, but not be able to access the medicine because it's over harvested. So a lot of it is just, it's really asking people to be mindful. And when there's a lack of mindfulness, asking them to stop. But the the resistance is really difficult. People, I understand that people want to access something that feels more whole, um, which indigenous Americans practices often are more so than some indigenous European practices. Um, but it's just about, being mindful and being respectful and respectful of the plant, respectful of mother earth and her children, like loving all the babies, not just the human babies. Right. And I, when you mentioned resistance, it made me think, you know, some of the things that I've seen from people who, you know, have an argument on what you're saying has been, well, what if I grow it? myself or what if somebody's selling it someone's gonna buy it anyways and so I might as well buy it um those are legit yeah. I I'm very um how do I say this I want to share people's stories on things um but I'm also very mindful of the kind of energy that those uh people attract to them mm -hmm. 
So when I see somebody like making a video on something, I always go through their comments to see how people respond to people Mm -hmm. who have different opinions. So Mm -hmm. I'm very mindful of people's feedback on things. And those are the arguments that I get. Well, but you know, so-and-so gifted it to me and, you know, they knew this native American person one, one time in their old town. And so it's completely fine. (laughs) But Those are those are hard to answer to because yes, different indigenous people are going to have different answers. Different nations are going to have different answers, and it's also that there's like there's different kinds of sage. Like white sage is dwindling very quickly. Mm -hmm. Prairie sage, not quite as much, but like there's still some problems. I know that the thing with people saying, oh, well, someone else is going to buy it. And that, that one always bothers me because it's like, you could say that about anything that's unethical. Well, someone else is going to do it anyway. So why shouldn't I do it? Like, it's a dumb comparison, but it's like when your parents were like, if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you do it too? It's like that sort of silly counter. And it's frustrating to have to go that direction, but like, you know, just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean we should do it. Um, and you're, you know, your spirits are, they're watching and that's not like you can fool, fool them. <laughs> that is so true. No, you cannot. And also, I think that the point is that if nobody is purchasing it, then there's not a reason for it to be harvested. Right. Yeah. And there's, there is a lot that's just sitting dusty on people's altars and that's also like a whole other thing like are you actually going to use it like like really ask yourself what is this about for me what is this about what like and if you have to debate it so much with yourself if you're going over those debates in your head it means you don't feel right about it and that was that was me when I was in the church I had to constantly run over those debates about why Christianity was right because I was still arguing with my own soul about it and it meant to, it didn't feel right for me. So if you, that need to argue with oneself, I always feel like call attention to that. Um, yes. Why does this bother you that this is being said? Yes. Yeah. And then the whole, like, you know, everybody's got a native American friend. Like <laughs> I said, every, you know, everyone's got a different opinion. Each nation has a different opinion. But if you have more people telling you, please don't, then you have that one person who said yes, defer, defer to those people and ask them why they're saying those things instead of being defensive. It's they're not just saying it because they want to be greedy or, or, you know, be a colonizer about it to use the term. But um, there's reasons. And the more the more respect you show and the more curiosity you show the more likely someone is to eventually share those things with you. I agree. And I think that people, you know, should be able to have conversations like we're having and say, Hey, could you just educate me so that I, I know the boundary. I know the reasoning behind, I can understand why. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I just also, there are, 
I feel like, and this is just me, but I feel like people smudge for the incorrect reasons and mm-hmm. sage their homes for incorrect reasons. And first of all, people, I've talked about it before, but there are, you can get cleansing sprays mm-hmm. and you can rid things in your house that way, opening up your windows and lighting incense and doing your mm-hmm. own whatever, doing simmer pots in your home with windows closed mm-hmm. after you cleanse it. But Also, there's so many different types of herbs that you can use for smudging. And I was always taught that regardless of what kind of sage you're using, you are calling in energies to fill your space. You are not, you're, you are not trying to just push negativity out of the way. You are trying to call in different energies to fill your space instead and push out what's there. That's exactly Um, right. And so I, as you said, there's different kinds of sage. My understanding is that the white sage is what is being um, over harvested and the other sages are okay to be using. Is that right? Uh, well, yes, with a, like a couple exceptions. So like white sage is, is very over harvested. One, because it's so popular and Part of the reason is because white sage releases a lot of serotonin when you smell it. So in a way, everyone's a little mildly addicted to it. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> um, but part of why it's over harvested too is that it's not, it, it doesn't like, it's not a plant that just explodes with growth very quickly. It takes a lot of time for it to become a bigger bush. And even then it just, you only get one or two good harvests out of it a year. Um, Silver sage or prairie sage is very common as well. And that's, you just really want to be careful who you're getting it from in that case, because same situation, some, some nations some tribes are going out to these patches that they've cultivated for years and they're just stripped clean. So if you want to use sage, Make sure you're getting it ideally from, you know, first of all, from an indigenous source um, and someone who knows how to properly trim a plant so it's not being destroyed. Um, And that's hard to do. It's really inconvenient to have to spend your time like trying to find an okay resource if you really feel like you need to do that. Uh, But it's, you know, same thing, like you're there's, there's some things where I'm willing to cut corners. Like if you got to use a Dollar Tree candle, I get it. But then there's things where we're talking about whether or not somebody can or cannot perform their own spiritual ceremonies just because you had to have this thing. And then there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Are they going on to reservations to harvest it? Um, that I don't know a precise answer to. Um, because we also have to remember like some of these, these big patches of like an indigenous person has rights to harvest anything on any public land. Whereas like on at state parks, um, people who are not indigenous do not have that right. So you, an indigenous person may have been, or their family or whatever may have been cultivating a crop that's many miles away from whatever reservation they were put on. 
And there, there are groups who will, they will go travel to those patches. Um, and we also, you know, remember back in the day, many tribes were migratory and transhumans, which is, that's a, that's an anthro term that just refers to like seasonal migration, where you would either be following a, a path for uh, taking your herd to different fields or following um, buffalo or elk or whatever to, to hunt. So they may have also been wherever their summer dwellings were, would be where they harvested that sage. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. We were um, driving through Nevada and, oh, I can't remember the name of the town now, but they have a, they have a dispensary there right off of the highway. And we went there and we didn't realize that the dispensary is run by a reservation that's there. Oh, that's rad. And that part was cool. But literally when we were driving through, we were like, what the fuck is this? And we like, they literally didn't give these people homes. Like they mm -hmm. have dilapidated shacks. It's the middle of the desert. You're just seeing uh, window air conditioners. Like yeah. we ended up buying a lot more than we needed when we were there because we were just like, like what can we it, it was just it was crazy seeing people living that way yeah. and knowing the story of how they got there yeah and it's it's so frustrating too because a lot of people who don't understand like how that happened and the BIA and HUD housing it's some people will be like oh well if you don't like it on the reservation why don't you just like you know so many people if you don't like it you can leave like that's such a stupid common response but then to have to understand like these people are usually put in places that are hundreds of miles away from any kind of job mm -hmm. that could give them money to even get off the reservation let alone like you know that's that's what if they were having a good life there they would be able to get out but moving is a privilege that's something everyone needs to be talking about more being able to move is a, is a is a privilege. It just costs so much money, um, which sucks. It shouldn't be a privilege, but it is. And it's, it is pretty crazy. The disparity, some many tribes experience. Yeah. Well then, you know, I feel like the whole purpose is to keep them on a system and, yeah. and to be small because you put somebody here you tell them, oh, well, I will give you, you know, money for food every month and this is all that you get. And these are the houses that you get. Yeah. And we'll put you out here where there's not any jobs either. So then people in these conditions are having families and the family doesn't want to move away because that's where their parents are. And yeah. again, they have to travel hundreds or whatever miles to be able to find work. And it's really... I feel like in the in the witchcraft and spirituality community, there's a lot more talk about what indigenous people spiritually are going through right now with yeah. that warfare. But there's not enough discussion about the physical um, what's physically going on to the yeah. poverty that's physically going on and not having clean drinking water in so many areas and. Yeah. You're never driving and go, oh, we're accidentally on a reservation. No, like they put that miles yeah. away to seclude and make you feel alone and then put a prejudice on when you go into society. Yeah, it's I mean, it's pretty rare that you'll find 
there's there's some rancherias in California that you know they're nice neighborhoods, but and that's also because we've legalized gambling, and it doesn't have to be on the reservation. It's as long as it's native owned land, right? Um, but and people way overuse that example. Oh, they have casinos and like. Yes, and many like many of the casinos aren't even successful, depending on the state and the area. Um, and I mean, so many of the things that you said, I mean, Navajo Nation, many of the reservations in rancherias don't even have power. So they're running on generators that run by gasoline and same thing. You've got to drive miles to get the gas. A lot of them don't have running water. And it is, it's really, it, sometimes it's so frustrating for me as a mixed race person who is indigenous. And because I'm passing for white, I, I see people will say things to me or around me. They might not say to somebody who is overtly indigenous. And it's just so disheartening because there is that sort of like, oh, yeah, that's really sad and whatever, but you know, they're such a strong and wonderful people. Like, no, we need mutual aid now. We need like, especially, uh, and this might be really unpopular, but like, especially other European people who were driven from their land, who were indigenous people, like the Irish mm -hmm. this should be that this should be, and I, as someone who's also Irish and lived in Ireland and been part of the Irish American community and was an Irish musician, that should be a huge topic for, for any Irish person, because they are indigenous people of America are still living what Ireland took hundreds of years to free itself from, which was the colonization of colonizer as an imperial power. And that should be, like you said, not just talking about spirituality and things, you know, can we, or can we not use their, their stuff, maybe feed them first. And then let's have a conversation when everybody has, the energy, like, and that people talk about that a lot too. Of the, um, you know, the labor that's expected of people of color to explain everything, which is why I try to use my passing privilege as much as I can to be sort of that in between of folks who are so used to being treated in a racist way every day, and I, I maybe get it a little less. Um, so I try to use that energy to to be an educator and to explain this is what we should be doing. And I don't like that should word. There are very few shoulds, but mutual aid is a big should, especially to me, if you want to profess to have the values of a witch. Yes. And to go on something that you said was um, this, you know, I, we shouldn't have to talk about it. We shouldn't have to educate kind of mentality. Yeah. And as somebody who is, uh, just on the outside and I am in no way indigenous and I am a practicing witch and I had to be educated on sage. Mm -hmm. There are, I understand, um, being in a place of, I don't have to educate you, but mm -hmm. it would be so helpful if people would be open to having conversation. And I get, there are oh, people totally, who yeah. completely take advantage of that. There's always yeah. going to be people who take yeah. advantage of that. But if somebody is asking a genuine question, like we are here, I feel like if more people were open to having these conversations where it's literally, let me hear so that I can understand. I don't have an argument. It's not my yeah. business to have an argument. I don't, it, you know, 
I feel like there would be so much less arguing and having to say, I won't educate you because everybody would be educated on it and be able to say, oh, we're different, but I respect that this is why. Somebody may not agree with it. Somebody may Mm -hmm. still be like, I want to use Sage, but at least you have the understanding and the knowledge to go forward. And if you continue to do that, then the energies that are around you can handle that because I'm not trying to do anything out of pure, you were fucking told not to and you did it anyways. I, I totally hear you on the, like, they're, the, so it's sort of like the answer to education is that there are so many, like the great thing, again, another great thing about the internet, despite its evils, there's so many resources now and there's so many great indigenous educators um, some of them have had to step back because of just like so many online haters. And a lot of that's changing as to, as to whom is talking now. And I, even I need to do better is like, who are the resources right now? Um, but finding, finding indigenous educators who have either spoken about these things or who do, who regularly speak about them, um, which can be really helpful so that instead of having a hundred one-on-ones, somebody can share that information en masse rather than, you know, trying to answer a million DMs when we're just trying to survive, you know? Oh, I agree. And I don't, I guess the way that I made it sound sounds like I expect for anybody who's being asked a question to answer and I totally don't feel that way. Oh um, no, I didn't I didn't get that sense. But just like giving folks who are listening a sense of like this is what you can do. If you do want to have conversation, there's you know, great resources you can access first and then you know, get some some follow-up questions. I love this conversation. Yeah, I <laughs> I do. I you know what? I appreciate that. <laughs> I like um I like being educated. Like, I like not, I don't know, I like being educated and I like understanding how to respect other people's practices and what other people go through, hence the freaking podcast. Um, And I haven't had anybody on who I can ask these questions to and I can have this conversation with. And I feel like the timing of this conversation being literally months after I first reach out, that the timing is so huge and... Mm -hmm. I, I'm so drawn to your energy anyways, outside of what your heritage and your culture and, um, your, your human, who you are in this human flesh, I'm very attracted to your energy and the way that you educate others. And you do that on your page and you do that with your voice. And I'm just very grateful for the conversation that we've gotten to have. I, I so appreciate that. And I'm, I am really working hard on absorbing people's compliments. It's <laughs> <laughs> like so many of us, I definitely have like that rejection dysphoria where you're like, no, they're just saying that. <laughs> right. So I really appreciate it. I do. And I'm, I'm absorbing that. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's good to hear because when you're on the other side of the, the phone and like you're just sort of talking at yourself all the time you're like I don't know is anyone appreciating this <laughs> no literally I I totally understand that I went I feel like I went through this huge phase with 
all of a sudden, like my views on things went down and like my readings for a minute and my interactions. Mm -hmm. And I started really going through that, that period. And I got a scammer on Instagram who started just scamming people and messaging them and has like 2000 followers. And their name is so similar to mine. And they're taking like really like personal content and posting it. But what ended up happening is when that happened, I got so many people sending me the screenshots of the messages that this person was sending them and strangers that found my page because of that. And I, I got so many people telling me how much they were supporting what I was doing and my content and, oh, I found your page because of the scammer, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay with you and booked readings. And I feel like that energy, like I was grateful for that. So I feel like that it ebbs and flows of the, is anybody going to care? Oh, I'm the shit right now. Is anybody going to care? I'm the shit again. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, the same thing happened to me. And it was so, it was wild because like, as people were telling me, it was like people who I didn't realize watched my stuff, who I, like maybe I knew them or like I had seen them comment a long time ago and realizing how much, cause so many of them would be like, Oh, I love your stuff. I just want to make sure this is you or isn't it. And like, Oh fuck these people trying to take your stuff. I love your, like it was, it, that was, I was so glad in a way because it was like, I would, I wouldn't have known these people were, appreciating it without that happening exactly that's also y'all that's why you got to comment on shit and tell us when you like it (laughs) for real i'm like even if somebody just like sends me a dm to like a story reply and is like dang i love that shirt i like my day will be made yes for real if somebody could take away anything from listening to your episode what would you want to leave them with Man, this went by really fast. I know. Uh, Be very forgiving of yourself. You're going to make mistakes. And one of the challenges in a culture where being wrong is bad and being right is good, it can feel like bad vibes or like you're a horrible person when you've made a mistake. Um, We have made a a god out of guilt in our society. And part of the practice isn't banishing guilt, but recognizing the feeling and being willing to do the work of healing, whatever it is, if you have made a grave mistake or if you've made a small mistake, letting yourself forgive yourself when it's something small and you can keep moving forward from it. Be very as forgiving to yourself as you would be to a friend, as loving as you would be to a child and as adoring as you would be to your own lover. Oh, that's like the most beautiful philosophical message. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'd be like, don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not the one to say that. <laughs> I use the marijuanas. Oh, that's uh, that's one of my favorite sacred friends for sure. Oh, same. Oh, by the way, people, you can also cleanse your space with that just saying um, <laughs> I love it <laughs> <laughs> not a lie it's really not a lie and if you burn it with lavender and rosemary it really hides up the scent I'm mm. just saying I've done bundles oh and hyssop is another favorite I feel like hyssop is so underappreciated as a burning herb 
And it's so good for cleansing. It's even mentioned in the Bible. Oh, well, you know, if it's in the Bible, it's got to be good. (laughs) If the Christians were like, okay, we can write about this, then it would be pretty powerful. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yes, it's true. Well, I I would love to have you back in the future. I also do um, additional segments on Patreon, too. So maybe we could collaborate together and do something and... Um, I just, I would love to talk more. I feel like this went by so quick and we could have kept going. Totally. Uh, Any, any and all of the above sounds great. (laughs) Well, awesome. Well, I will be in contact with you and just thank you so much again for talking with me. Thank you. This was, this was really fun. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. Well, have a great night. You too. Rock on. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Bye.